I know Thursday night is normally our Bible study night, and and uh, I'm sure there'll be a little bit of, of uh, teaching mixed in with all of this, but um, nothing really profound tonight, and nothing you haven't heard, I'm sure, many, many times, but I feel it tonight. I feel like somebody needs to hear this tonight. Amen. If you would turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 4, <clears throat> thank you for standing in honor of the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 4, and uh, I need your prayers as I continue to struggle with these voice issues. Uh, God, God will help me, I know. Luke chapter 4, and we're going to begin with verse number 16. Man, Luke chapter 4 and beginning with verse 16. The Bible says he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, covering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. I find this interesting. They wondered at his gracious words. But their words are not so gracious. They said, is not this Joseph's son? I mean, we know him. We know this guy. We've seen him. In fact, probably there were a lot of folks in the synagogue that day related to him. Related to his mother, therefore related to him. There were um, close friends and neighbors. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Now, I know the power of a title. And I have a title tonight, but I'm going to hang on to it for a few minutes. And I'll share it with you in just a little while. Praise God. But I would like for us to go to the Lord one more time in prayer. I want God to speak to us tonight. I really feel like he's got something to say to somebody in this service tonight. Could we just lift our voices to the Lord right now, everybody, and let's ask God to speak to us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we need you tonight. name let's worship the Lord together everybody I feel like the Lord's trying to move in this place come on let's praise him a little bit let's praise him a little bit hallelujah oh, we love you Jesus we love you Jesus we love you Jesus amen God bless you you may be seated about it but there really is very little that we know about the life of Jesus from his birth until the beginning of his ministry 
We know that prior to his birth, an angel appeared to Mary and told her that she would conceive by the Holy Ghost and give birth to the promised Messiah. We know that sometime after that, an angel appeared to Joseph and assured him that the things which Mary said were true. We know those things. We know that at the time of his birth, angels appeared to shepherds and began to sing and pointed them to the manger in Bethlehem. And all of these things happened over a span of some nine months. From the time that it was said to Mary, you're going to conceive until the time when the angels sang is a period of some nine months that is covered here and just three little incidents that we know of what happened. And then uh, after he was born, we really don't know anything about what took place for what it looks like must have been about two years before the wise men showed up at the house that Mary and Joseph had moved into in Bethlehem. Uh, it seems to me that for two years there really was nothing going on. There, there was nothing significant. There was no major announcement. There was no angelic visit. Two years, nothing's happening. And then the wise men show up. And when the wise men leave, God speaks to Joseph again and said, you better get out of here. Uh, they're going to try to kill this baby. And you need to get down to Egypt. And so they fled to Egypt. The Bible tells us that at some point, after some uh, undisclosed period of time, uh, most historians think it was uh, maybe a year to two years. They were in Egypt. Nothing's happening. There's not any miracles being performed. There aren't any angels showing up. Are you with me tonight? Another two years and nothing happens. But then at the end of the two years, the angel appears to Joseph and said, you can go back now. The ones that want to kill the child are dead and it's safe for you to return to the land of, of Israel. And so they go back. Amen. We read this in Matthew chapter 2, verses 19 through 23. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. For they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. And so if, if the historians are correct, then the child Jesus was about four years old when they moved back to Nazareth. Now I want you to think about the timeline that I'm laying out tonight. All of this is significant. We know of a few incidents in the nine months from the time of conception to the time of birth. We know of one incident at the age of two and, and an incident at the age of four, but there's a lot of time there where there's nothing really going on, nothing really happening uh, in the life of the Messiah. And then we don't read any more about his life uh, until we get to Luke chapter 2, verses 42 through 51. Read. And when he was 12 years old. And when he was 12. Now, what happened during those eight years? If he was four when they moved to Nazareth, and now he's 12 and they're headed to Jerusalem, what, what's going on during those eight years? What's, what's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. Nothing out of the ordinary. Nothing unusual. Hallelujah. He's not turning clay birds into real birds. That's right. He's not, he's, he's not performing, he's not parting the bath waters. I'm telling you that from the time he's four to the time he's 12, nothing happened out of the ordinary. 
Hallelujah. And then he's 12. And they go up to Jerusalem. After the custom of the feast. Uh-huh. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey. And they saw to him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple. They found him in the temple. Sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And so here, here is after eight years of silence, here is a significant event. But really all that's happening is he's doing some teaching the age of 12 there's not a miracle there's not an angel he's just doing some teaching and he makes some profound statements and his mother takes these sayings and hides them in her heart now I submit to you that those eight years of silence really they were nothing compared to what's about to happen because now from the time he's 12 until he reaches the age of 30 we hear absolutely nothing and almost the entirety of what we know of those 18 years is summed up in one verse Luke 2 and 52 and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man and that's all we know we don't know what went on from the time that he was 12 until he was 30 and he shows up at the river Jordan to be baptized by John for 18 years. We don't know anything. There's nothing major going on. There's nothing significant happening for 18 years. Hallelujah. Except he's increasing in wisdom and stature favor with God and man and that's that's about it now there is one other thing we know about what was going on there and that is found in our text um, in Luke 4 and verse 16 and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read as his custom was he went to church so one other thing we do know about those 18 years is that Jesus had developed a custom of going to church. There's nothing out of the ordinary about going to church. At least there shouldn't be. That ought to just be a fact of life. I've said many times our children should never look up at us and say, are we going to church tonight? They ought to just know if it's church night, we're going to be there. Well, hallelujah. Now stay with me for just a few moments. I'm, I'm going somewhere here tonight. I want you to see that for the first 30 years of Jesus' life, there's just not a whole lot happening. There's really not. It's 30 years of, of really not much. A few little highlights here and there. A few little incidents that take place. But for 30 years, there's just not much going on. And that's why when he steps into that synagogue and he picks up the scripture and he starts reading. And then he looks at the crowd that knows him so well. They've known him for 30 years. They've watched him for 30 years. There hadn't been much going on for 30 years. And now all of a sudden he stands up and with authority he says, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And wondering 
where does this authority come from? And where does this power come from? And what is this we're feeling? Because for 30 years, we hadn't seen anything happen. For 30 years, there hadn't been anything significant. For 30 years, we haven't seen any miracles. And I'm telling you tonight that for these people, they had bought into the myth that the past predicts the future. But I'm here to preach to this church tonight. The past does not predict the future. And it doesn't matter what happens in the past. God is able to step in at any moment and change the future. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you understand that for 30 years, for 30 years, not much of anything's going on? And yet this was the one individual who changed the course of history. The whole world, I don't care what religion they are, the whole world has been affected by this one life. But Brother Chad, it wasn't his first 30 years that made the impact on them. It was what happened in the last three years of his life. That's when everything started to change. That's when everything took a turn. That's when everything started happening. That's when heaven kissed the earth. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, too many of us have been convinced by the enemy that nothing good is ahead for us. And the reason we believe it is because we look at our past and we look at what's back there and we hadn't accomplished anything yet and we haven't done much yet. But I'm here to tell somebody tonight, your past will not predict your future. I'm here to tell somebody, God has got something good in store for you. It doesn't matter what yesterday looks like. It doesn't matter what last year was like. God is able to change your future. Oh, hallelujah. There were very few very few supernatural moments in the first 30 years of Jesus' life. Very few supernatural moments in 30 years. But I'm telling you, when he turned 30, everything changed. Hallelujah. I'm telling you that his first year of ministry started a whirlwind of the miraculous. Hallelujah. But it was something the people of Nazareth couldn't buy into because all they could see was what was in the past. All they knew is what they'd seen already and they said what has been will be. That may be true if God's not in the picture. But I'm telling you, once God steps into the picture, what has been does not determine what will be. Oh, I wish somebody would hear me tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. When Jesus began his ministry, the people of Nazareth suffered because they bought into that lie that the past predicts the future. Amen. And when he began to read, they said, oh, this is just Joseph's son. We've seen him before. We're familiar with him. We know him. We know nothing really has, has come out of this. He hadn't done anything of any significance for 30 years. And so he's not going to start now. But that's where they were wrong. Amen. I'm telling you. Amen. He turned the water into wine. He went to Jerusalem and cleared the temple of the money changers. He was visited by Nicodemus at night and gave him a plan of a new birth. He went to Samaria and had a conversation with a woman at the well that brought about a revival in Samaria. He left Samaria and preached throughout Galilee. He went back to Cana and healed a government official's son in Capernaum. 
that first year he was performing miracle after miracle I'm telling you everything changed everything in one day everything changed and then Mark Mark records Jesus second visit to his hometown evidently happened in the third year of his ministry so he's now been active he's in his third year you talk about the things that have happened the miracles that have taken place up to this point and he goes back he goes back much had happened between his first and second visit He'd completed the calling of the 12. He'd healed a man with leprosy. He'd healed a paralytic. He'd healed a man at the pool of Bethesda, the man with the withered hand. He'd given the Sermon on the Mount. He had outlined truths concerning the kingdom of God. He had healed the centurion's servant without ever seeing that man. He raised the widow of Nain's son from a casket back to life. He calmed a stormy sea. He cast demons out of the man of Gadara. He healed the woman with the issue of blood. He raised Jairus' daughter. He healed two blind men and a mute man. All of that is now in the record. It's a matter of record. And you know all of Israel's talking about these things. And he walks back into Nazareth again. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And he went out from thence and came into his own country. Came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. Disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Back to the synagogue again. Many hearing him were astonished. And they were astonished. from whence hath this man these things? But look at this. They're astonished. They're astonished, saying, from whence hath this man these things? Where's he getting this? Read. And what wisdom is this which is given unto him? Where's, where's he getting this wisdom? That even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. That, that he's doing all these miracles. Is, is not this is, the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother you, of James? Look, look, do you get this? He's been gone now for more than two years. He's been performing miracles throughout their nation. But when he comes back, they're still saying, it's not this, the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judah, and Simon, are not his sisters here with us. And they were offended at him. Why? We can't reconcile what we've seen in the past with what we're hearing now. We're, 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 we're locked into the way things have always been, and they just don't change. I'm preaching to somebody here tonight because I'm telling you somebody in this building, the devil's got you convinced that the things you have struggled with, you will always be bound by, that there is no hope, that there is no change, that there's no alternative. All you can do is look at the way things have always been and the devil's got you convinced that's the way it's always going to be. Don't be like Nazareth who missed out on the miracles. So many of these things that Jesus did were just a few miles away from Nazareth. Two miles, five miles, ten miles, twenty miles, not really that far at all. But he was performing miracles all around that area. But when he got to Nazareth, they just couldn't accept it. Because in their minds, the past predicted their future. They couldn't see beyond what they had already seen. They were blinded by their past and could not see a different take on the future. And what is really sad about this is the tragic footnote that Mark adds to the story 
When he writes in verses 5 and 6, read. And he could there do no mighty work. And he could there do no mighty work. Save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. He's opening blinded eyes in other places. He's unstopping deaf ears in other places. He is loosening the mute tongues in other places. He's raising the dead in other places. But in Nazareth, he can't do what he wants to do because they're bound by their past. And what has always been is what will always be. But I'm here to tell you, I believe Nazareth could have seen just as great, if not greater miracles than any other city in Israel. What an honor. What an honor that the God of heaven would choose that city as his hometown. But they didn't recognize the honor. They didn't recognize the benefit of having Jesus right there. Instead, they grew accustomed to what they'd always known. I'm here to preach to this church. I'm telling you, we look back over the history of this assembly. God has been good to us. God has blessed us. But honey, don't you think that our future is determined by what little bit we've seen so far? I'm telling you, God is stepping on the scene. And there is a brighter future ahead. Amen. Than what we've seen in the past. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, be seated for just a moment. Jesus asked his followers a question that each of us should ask ourselves. Mark 8 and 18. Having eyes, see ye not. Having eyes, see ye not. And having ears, hear ye not. Having ears, hear ye not. And do you not remember? And do you not remember? You see, each of us can reach a place where we quit seeing things in light of, of what we've always seen and start seeing them in light of what God wants us to see. I'm telling you, God's got a vision of a future for you, for us, for this city for this assembly that goes far beyond what we have seen in the past. It goes way beyond what the past is trying to dictate to us. What I want tonight is for somebody to get a revelation and walk out of this service saying I don't have to be bound by my past. God has stepped on the scene tonight and God's let me know I've got a bright future ahead. There are great things in store. The miracle worker has arrived on the scene tonight. The sea walker, the mountain mover, the problem solver. Come on, somebody. He's here tonight. Jehovah Jireh is in this place. God, our provider, is walking these aisles tonight. It doesn't have to stay the way it's always been. What is Hebrews chapter 11? Verse 1 tell us. Now faith is the now substance faith of things hoped for. Is the substance of things. Not the substance of things that we've had in the past. That's not faith. Faith is what we hadn't seen yet. In fact, finish the verse. It's the evidence of things not seen. Faith is. Faith is the evidence of what we haven't seen. Well, hallelujah. See, the devil wants you to only base everything in your future on what you've already seen. But I'm telling you, God is bigger than what you've seen. God is more powerful than what you've experienced. God is greater than what you've gone through. And I'm telling you that God is able. Hallelujah. God is able. God is able. God is able. God is able. How many years? How many? 
40 years was it between Joseph's dream and the fulfillment but I'm here to tell you when God got ready the past did not predict his future I'm telling you God took him from the prison to the palace in a matter of seconds oh somebody hear me tonight why don't you tell that devil he's a liar tonight why don't you tell him I'm not listening to what you've got to say I know my past but I believe God there's a bright future ahead there are great things in store We need our eyes of faith to be open so that we will not be blinded by the lie that says what's been up until now is what will continue to be from now on. Paul told us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 that we, we walk, walk, by walk by faith, faith. not by sight. We walk by faith. We walk by faith and not by what we've always seen. I'm not looking at what's behind us. I'm not looking at what's happened in the past. I'm not looking at the things that follow me, but I'm looking ahead because there's a God that knows how to change everything. Well, hallelujah. See, See, there was no precedent. There was no precedent for the three Hebrews to look to. There was no scriptural writing of anyone ever being thrown into a furnace and surviving. But they did. In fact, they didn't just survive. They came out without so much as the smell of smoke on their clothes. They came out better off than they went in because the only thing that was destroyed by the fire were the bonds that held them captive and the men that threw them in. There was no precedent for that. There was nothing they could look to in the past that said God's going to walk you through this furnace. But I'm telling you, they had faith that it didn't matter. It doesn't matter what's in the past and what's not in the past because my God is able to change everything. If Daniel was going to look for precedent, he should have bitten his nails to the quick. He should have pulled his hair out. He should have had a nervous breakdown. If he's looking for precedent, there's no precedent for being thrown in a lion's den and coming out alive. But God doesn't work off a of precedent. God doesn't work off of the way things have been in the past. God changes things. Oh, hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When they let that paralytic down through the roof, what was it all those Jews said? Do you remember? They said, we've never seen it on this fashion. So what? So what? Just because you've never seen it on this fashion doesn't mean God can't do it now. Well, hallelujah. Doesn't mean God can't do it now. You say, I've struggled for years, preacher. I've gone, with, I've gone through this situation for years. I don't care about the years. I care about right now. There's a God in this house right now that can set you free, that can deliver you, that can change you. He can take your story and rewrite it tonight. I want to challenge you tonight. I want to challenge your vision, the future of this church, and the future of your own life in this church. I want to challenge you tonight. Have you accepted the devil's myth 
that you'll never be anything because you've never been anything? That's what the devil's telling some of you. In fact, I'm going to tell you, sometimes somebody backslides and comes back in church. The first thing the devil does is start hounding them. You're not going to make it this time either. You've got a record. You've got a past. You're not going to make it this time either. Says who? That's not what God said. Hallelujah. God can change the record. You hear me? God can change the record. Oh, somebody get a hold of this tonight. Somebody get a revelation tonight in this service. You don't have to keep being the way you've always been because there is a God who is able to make changes. Are we basing our vision of the future on the events of the past? Are we going to limit our faith to the shorelines of yesterday? Or are we willing to allow an overflow of God's glory into our lives? Are we going to be like those of Nazareth who just are more comfortable with the way things have always been? Or are we going to be more like the people, amen, of Cana? Hallelujah. Amen. Or the other surrounding cities where Jesus stepped in and healed every sick among them. Jesus took care of every day. I'm going to tell you, that's the way I want this church to be. I don't want us looking for a precedent. Hey, I rejoice over the stories of Azusa Street, but I want more than Azusa Street. I rejoice over the stories of Topeka, Kansas, but I want more than Topeka, Kansas. In fact, I'll step out on a limb tonight and tell you I rejoice over the story of Pentecost, but I want more than Pentecost. I'm not going to be bound by what's written in the past. God is able to give us a greater future. Let's stand tonight. Let's stand tonight. New Life Pentecostal Church. Are we going to be content with acceptable church services? Are we going to be satisfied with having good church services? Or are we going to raise our sights and say, you know, I want God to do something different around here. I don't want to just come in and have midweek Bible study this Thursday night. I, I want to come in and see a miracle. I, I'd like to see some blinded eyes open. I, I'd like to see the lame walk tonight. I, uh, oh, we don't have a precedent for that, Pastor. It doesn't matter what the precedent is. God makes new precedents. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are we going to be bound by what we've had in the past? Or are we willing to step up and believe God in a way that will bring his glory into this house like we've never seen it before? Are we ready to believe God that he's going to turn this city upside down? That God is going to start stirring hearts and drawing souls and filling this place. Amen to overflowing. Oh God, I'm telling you somebody needs to get a vision tonight. Quit thinking about the way it's always been. I heard you, I heard you. Somebody said, oh, we've heard that before. Yeah, I know. I know, and that's the reason why you can't believe for anything else. Because you're just looking at the way things have always been. But I'm here to tell you, early this morning, I felt like God began to talk to me. And he said, it's time. It's time for new life to lift their sights. It's time to quit thinking about the way it's always been and start envisioning the way God wants it to be and watch God bring about a change that goes above and beyond anything we have ever seen or experienced before. Let's lift our hands and love him right now. Come on, let's love him right now.
somebody in this place tonight. Somebody in this place tonight has been telling themselves, I can't win a soul. And I want to know, how did you come to that conclusion? Well, it's very simple. I've tried before and it never worked. So you're telling me that your past is going to predict your future? Why don't you get a vision tonight that says, I don't care if it's never worked before. I'm going to try it again. I'm going to pick up another Bible study. I'm going to go talk to somebody else. I'm going to knock on another door. I'm going to witness to somebody else. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, God wants somebody tonight to get a revelation that you don't have to always be what you've always been. But in a moment of time, God can transform everything. God can change it all. God can write a brand new story at this altar tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Hey, my life turned around one night. One night at one altar changed my life. And if you've got the Holy Ghost, it did yours too. Well, why should it stop with that one night when you got the Holy Ghost? The same God that made a drastic change that night can make another drastic change this night. This altar's open. Is there anybody here tonight that wants to come and say, God, I'm ready for a fresh vision. I'm tired of being bound by the way things have always been. I believe there's something greater on the horizon than just what we've seen in our past. Hallelujah. If you're here tonight without the power of the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, God can change you tonight. God can transform you tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, that's it. Come on, let's find a place to pray. Let's talk to the Lord, everybody. Let's lift our voices to him. God, change my perspective. God, let me see things the way you see them, God. I'm tired of letting my past dictate my future. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready, God, to take new territory. I'm ready, God, to conquer some new ground. I'm ready, God, to achieve some new goals. I'm ready, God. <laughs> Devil, you're a liar. I refuse to buy into your lies. I refuse to be bound by the past. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, quit saying I can't. Quit saying I can't. Quit saying I can't. Say what the scripture says. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can. I can. I can. I can. I can. And I will. By the grace of God, I will be different. By the grace of God, I will change. By the grace of God, I will be used in the gifts of the Spirit. By the grace of God, I will win souls. Come on. It was just one night. Just one night of wrestling in prayer that by daybreak the angel said, no more will you be called a deceiver. As of tonight, 
that past is not going to determine your future. As of tonight, that past is forever gone. But beginning this moment, you're not the deceiver. You're not Jacob, but you are Israel. You are a prince with God. Hallelujah.
share of bad things. I think there's some really bad things on the horizon for this world, but there's some really good things coming for the church. And I'm part of the church. Hallelujah. Jesus said, upon this rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against his church. Hallelujah. As long as I'm in his church, I'm on the winning side. Amen. And I don't believe the church is going out of here lame and crippled, bruised and afflicted, weak and suffering. I just, I just got more faith in God than that. I've got more faith in God than that. I don't believe the church is going out of here less than what it was when it came.